we celebrate a job that our land workers are very proud of, our industry, our utility partners are very proud of, and that is providing reliable, safe power to all of our customers. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. This Saturday is Line Worker Appreciation Day. And EEI, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, the Utility Workers Union of America, and the National Electrical Contractors Association will join together to salute the nation's nearly 75,000 electrical line workers. Line workers work around the clock, often in dangerous conditions, to keep the lights on for the customers and communities they serve. Even during the pandemic, they never missed a beat and worked hard to keep the lights on. They also build and maintain the energy grid and stand ready to make emergency repairs to ensure that customers have access to the safe and reliable energy that they need. Today, we will chat with a few guests who will share their perspectives on Line Worker Appreciation Day and what it's like to work in such an important role. Our first guest is Donnie Colston, Director of the Utility Department at the IBEW. Donnie, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Brian. We appreciate you all asking us to join you on this important topic. Great. In the time since last July, we have experienced record hurricane and wildfire seasons, all while continuing to endure the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. And even as we're speaking today, there are crews out making repairs in the Midwest and in the Southeast, following some severe summer thunderstorms and tropical storm Elsa that's making her way up the coast. So can you reflect a little bit on this past year and really all that line workers did over that time and are, and are doing today to keep our economy and our communities running? I sure can. Uh, the line worker job is a very hazardous job. Having worked it for 34 years myself, uh, hazard as in you never know when you're walking, is it going to be a live power line down? Is it going to be safe? You have to watch all of your surroundings at all the time. And it was really, uh, really challenging for all of our workers and our members at the IBEW this past year, because not only did you throw in the challenges of the transmission and distribution system, but you also now added the COVID uh, uh, virus along with that. So we as the IBEW and our utility partners had to work together to, to identify what are all of the hazards COVID presented to land workers. And we had to we had to learn how to isolate our, our linemen from each other. We had to learn how to keep them away from other crews, from other utilities. We had to one person per a room if we're going to take them out of town. We had to limit one person to a truck, uh, which is completely contrary to what we have done before. And where we would normally in a hurricane or storm situation put a large number of linemen together to get the job done as quickly and safely as possible, that COVID really precluded us from doing that. We needed to isolate our crews. We needed to put them in work groups that they work with every single day, and they're not working with others to limit the exposure they may have. And then we take all of that and we go into what line workers prepare for. 
And the reason I say that is because all line workers are required to wear FR clothing, long sleeve shirts, long pants, work boots, uh, face mask at all times, unless you're not with someone directly. So you add that to the heat and the storms, all of that together and with each other, and it does create a very hazardous situation for the linemen. And I am proud to say that the utilities linemen uh, throughout the United States and Canada worked very hard and were very successful uh, of restoring power in a, in a very short period of time for each and every hazard that we were up against. And those hazards are many. When you talk about a storm as in uh, you have to isolate uh, every single line that you're working on, you have to ground every single line, tag it out, and then you have to be able to work amongst your crew as to who's actually going to do the work and who's actually going to be the ground help that's going to assist. So all of this played a very important role as our line workers continued. As we get hotter weather, as we get more hurricanes, as we get more storms that come in, that really increased the need for our utility partners to share their alignment between utility and utility to respond to the many hazards. Uh, I know I know for myself that I personally had worked four or five hurricanes in Miami myself, and those are very challenging times. Then when you add the new challenges is the extreme heat, wearing FR clothing all of the time, uh, and the face mask all of the time just to protect you from the COVID virus, that really challenges all of our workers. And as you know, Brian, that our workers are the front line for utilities. They're the ones that knock on that door to, to ask that customer that they have a power outage that... I'm here to I'm here to assist you in any way that I can to get that power back on as quickly as I can. And there's nothing sadder than for a line crew to roll into a neighborhood, let's say in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and you see every every person on that whole street, all of their possessions out at the end of their driveway, and you're there to, to provide a small comfort of getting their electricity back on. It's very heart-wrenching, uh, the circumstances that you see where a person may lose their house completely. You're going to isolate that house from the system itself, hopefully bring the distribution system back up. And uh, it's a very rewarding, as in you can see at the end result as a line worker of turning the power back on. And in almost 90% of the cases where the lineman will get thank you from the customer. Very rarely uh, do linemen ever receive a harsh uh, tongue lashing from a customer because they are there to help. And our utilities are, have sent them there to restore power as safely and quickly as possible. Absolutely. And for a number of years now, the Edison Electric Institute and the IBEW have recognized Land Worker Appreciation Day on July 10th. Can you tell us a little bit about the significance of that date? I can. Uh, the IBEW, uh, as you know, is more than 130 years old. Uh, our founder was Henry Miller, and Henry Miller was a lineman. Uh, Henry uh, started, he worked as a lineman at the 1890 St. Louis Exposition Center. 
And in that case, that, that what happened there is to show off all of the different electric things that were uh, advancing the electric technology that was moving forward. But Henry Miller spent the time to talk to linemen to linemen. At that time, you were having 50% of the linemen that were being killed either from a fall or an electrical shock. So Henry Miller, uh, the founder of the IBEW, uh, would go from worker to worker to worker to talk about unsafe working conditions and substandard wages. And he was able to get them to join together in different locals. Henry Millard would, uh, he would travel the rails and go from utility to utility. And he would organize workers underneath safe working conditions and wages to join the IBEW. Now, the significance of July 10th is that Henry Miller was working for Pepco Utility here in Washington, D.C., in Georgetown. And Henry received a shock on the pole and fell from the pole on July the 10th uh, in 1896. And Henry Miller passed away from that, that electrical shock. And as I had said, he is the first president. He organized all of our locals within the IBEW. And he's the, he's the standard that we set ourselves by as into safe working conditions and fair wages. Absolutely. And we know this is a date that we all recognize in the electric power industry, but we often have members of Congress here in Washington who join us in recognizing Land Worker Appreciation Day. So can you tell us a little bit about how they're showing their support this year? We are very grateful to a large number of our members of Congress. We historically have 140 to 150 uh, Congress people who will join with us in a resolution uh, to, to ask that we recognize July 10th as Line Worker Appreciation Day. That day that we say thank you to a line worker who spent untold number of hours and days doing nothing but restoring power to our companies, our customers, and making safe conditions throughout the United States and Canada. And we are very grateful to our, to our uh, legislators who have joined with us to recognize that as the industry's day that we celebrate a, a job that, that our line workers are very proud of, our industry, our utility partners are very proud of, um, and that is providing reliable, safe power to all of our customers. And we are extremely proud of uh, uh, Representative Sanchez, who is the, co is the co-sponsor of our resolution, and Representative Norcross also, who is the co-sponsor. And I say extremely proud because both of them are IBEW members. And in the case of Representative Norcross, he has put on a set of hooks, he has spliced wire, and he has climbed poles. He has a real, hand, a real good knowledge on what it takes to be a lineman and the number of years and skills that, uh, that you have to learn to be a successful lineman for a utility. Well, that's a terrific segue because we're going to hear next from a few line workers and, and trainers and hear a little bit more about all the training that they do to make sure that they're safe on the job and, and doing the job in a safe and efficient way. So thank you so much for 
joining us today and for joining us in celebrating and recognizing all the tremendous work that line workers have done over these past years and really each and every day. Well, thank you, Brian. We greatly appreciate this opportunity. And, and uh, as President Stevenson always says, we always appreciate the opportunity to work with our utility partners to provide a good, safe workplace for all of our members. Absolutely. Our next guest is Savoya Taylor, ComEd's first female overhead electrician specialist, who will tell us about her experience building and maintaining the energy grid in and around Chicago. Savoya, welcome to the show. Hello, how are you doing today? Doing well, thanks for being with us. So how did you get started as an overhead electrician and what sort of training did you go through to prepare for the job? Okay, how did I get started? Well, originally I was a meter reader for the company and I read meters for five years and the company offered a promotion to come into the overhead electrician field and they send you through school, which is the two and a half year apprenticeship. So. There was a long journey <laughs> coming through this. And was that classroom work? Was it in the field training or did you have training sites or all of the above? It, it was definitely all of the above. We were um, in classroom settings, out in the field. Um, also in the school, we had um, a mock set up like we were outside in the real world. But uh, we also was thrown out with the guys in the real world as well. So how did you feel about heights going into this? Did you ever have issue climbing or was that just part of the job that you learned as you went? Well, climbing was definitely one of the most challenging part of the job that probably would have changed my mind about even doing the job because it was it was a tough thing to learn. A good, a, you had to learn this technique and it wasn't really easy all the time. And it took a lot of strength and, and work at it. So um, I was a little iffy going up on the poles, going 40 feet in the air, um, just wondering if I could trust my equipment. So um, eventually I learned how to trust the equipment and I kept pushing. So trust in the equipment and really safety in general is just something we hear about so often when we're talking about the industry's workforce. So can you talk a little bit about how you think about safety on the job and how that was built into your training? And then I imagine just the camaraderie that comes with that, really making sure you're looking after the, the team that you're out there with. Um, well, safety is definitely one of the most important things that we talk about every day, all day um, at the job. And I think about it just like I want to go home the way I came, you know, so I need to make sure that I follow the rules so that I can do that and my um, coworkers can as well. And you got to also trust your coworkers and and yourself and you got to watch everything everybody is doing around you because it don't have to be you that hurts yourself it could be someone else so it's a very dangerous job you know we have to make sure we're wearing our equipment um that we trust and we communicate up there so we really build some really trusting relationships um to be dealing with this type of work and um, every day just dealing with these people. So you build this friendship, like it's certain people that you really trust that you could work with. And there's some people that you kind of iffy, like I never really worked with this person. Let me see how they move. And is there a big focus for the people who have been in the field really for, for years now, really taking the, the younger folks and the person doing their internships? So are they 
really looking out for them in the field or, or kind of what's that process when you have that new person join the team? Yes, they really looking um, after us out there in the field because, I mean, it's, it's scary. You got this new person that probably don't know as much as you know or as much as you learn, and you got to make sure you up in here in the air with them and you got to, hey, pay attention to your every move and their every move. So it's a lot of tension on you to pay attention, but they they showing us so much. They're teaching us. They're helping build us be becoming who we are. So um, it's definitely a lot of help to have the vets teach us and bring us along the way. That's great. So for anyone who's ever flown to or connected through the Chicago airport, I think we're all familiar with the pretty wild weather that you have year round. So anytime that you do have any of these major storms that cause damage, are you part of the team that would be out there afterwards helping to restore power to customers? And what kind of work would you be doing? Would you be kind of restringing lines or kind of what would that be after a major storm? Okay. At the major storm um, is definitely busy. So I'm one of the first responders that will be on the scene first to assess the problem and see what's going on out there. So I will be out there trying to um, maybe have to um, cut lines in the clear that came down. Um, I may have to switch on the system so that I could make it safe so that my coworkers could come in and um, do the maintenance and restore everything. Um, I'm doing some of everything, trying to keep the public safe and and I'm putting up lines back up and everything. So I'm I'm in the mix of a little of everything out there, but I'm definitely the first one on the scene and I have to be able to let them know what's going out on out there, what they may have to bring to the job site to fix the problem. Or I may have to go up and try to fix the problem myself if the job isn't too big because I do work by myself. Now, it sounds like there's probably a lot of choreography involved where you have, whether they're people who will trim trees off the line, like different people have different specialties. So how do you make sure that everyone's working in sequence? Um, well, like I said, first we have to we have to get permission before we just go out there touching the lines and do anything. So we um, talk with an OD who direct us and um, tell us, you know, go ahead, move forward, do this. So we're doing it in the most safest way possible. Then if we have to have a tree crew, we have to drop the line sometimes, um, de-energize it so they could work and do uh, what they need to do. So we basically have orders and things that steps that we go by and check off lists. And it's, it's very um, a strict policy out there. Sure. Just making sure everyone stays safe. And you've been a trailblazer at ComEd as the first woman to be an overhead electrician specialist. So do you see a path for more women to follow in your footsteps? And what might you say to young women who are interested in learning more about how to get started or to learn more? Um, I definitely see a path for more women coming behind me, which I hope um, could happen soon. I'm looking forward to some more women so I can... <laughs> I'm out here by myself, but even just being out here with these men by myself, they still make me feel comfortable. And I would just tell young ladies that um, don't be afraid. Don't allow um, this because it's a male dominant field to intimidate you. You know, if you think this is something you want to do, go for it, because I almost let it intimidate me. But you just got to have that confidence. You got to have thick skin. You got to be determined and just push forward if you really want it. And I definitely see um, 
some young women coming behind me. Are there any in particular that you might have spoken with who you think are going to give it a go or who are interested in pursuing the training? Well, um, I do have a co-worker that we can pretty much came in together. And I'm hoping that she'll come along. But um, right now she's still over in the field with the crews. And uh, I'm just waiting on her. I try to talk to her and coach her like, oh, come over here and join me and do this. But she's still in the field and she's still doing everything. So sometimes we may have to end up working side by side. So that that um, put a smile on my face as well, too, because we are still in it together. Well, we definitely all owe you and your colleagues a debt of gratitude for working to ensure that we all had the energy we needed this past year with the pandemic, just working remotely, going to school remotely, making sure that hospitals and grocery stores had the energy they needed to do their critical jobs. So, I mean, for the work you all did last year and really do each and every day, just we certainly appreciate line workers and say thank you today. Um, I appreciate that as well. Thank you, because it was definitely not easy. And it, it was just a lot of work in parts. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks for joining us on the show today. That was uh, Savoya Taylor, who is ComEd's first female overhead electrician specialist, giving us uh, some insights into the daily jobs she does, as well as the things she does to get power back to customers whenever there are outages. So thanks for joining us. And our final guest is Cyril Antai III, who trains line workers at Hawaiian Electric. Prior to that, he worked as a Hawaiian Electric line worker. You also may have seen him in the last season of the television show, Tough as Nails. Cyril, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you for having me. Going well. Thanks for being with us. What motivated you to become a line worker? My father. So my father motivated me to become a line worker. He was actually an electrician. And for a while, he, he's pushed me to, you know, join, join the trade. I started as a, I started as a schoolboy, so I, I had no experience as far as, um, you know, trade work went. And my dad always told me, hey, look, you might want to look into the trades. It could set you up for a good career. And, you know, that's the career path that my dad went into. So he was an electrician and he's been pushing me nonstop to get into the trade. And, you know, he, a position finally opened up um, at the utility that he worked at as an electrician. And one day I decided to go online and apply and I became a lineman. And it was one of those things where I got into the job, you know, I applied, I got the job as a senior helper AKA groundsman is what they call it in the mainland or California out here. We call them senior helpers. I got the job as a senior helper. I learned the job, became an apprentice, became a journeyman. And, you know, throughout those four and a half to five years, it just became the best thing that ever happened to me. And, you know, along with that, it provided for me and my family. So, I started as, you know, this young boy in the trade and I grew up in this trade as a family man. So it really, it really, you know, developed me over the years. That's great. And you're now working in a training role. So kind of helping the next generation of line workers. Yes. And it happened fast. So I'm in a, I'm in a training role now and, you know, I, I'm probably one of the, 
one of the younger trainers. Um, it happened fast and, you know, my dedication and growth to the trade, it, it, it helped me get to where I am now. So looking at all that you have to do out in the field, whether it's, um, by no means is it normal, but just building the energy grid, dealing with storm restorations, those sort of things. So when you're training uh, or teaching the trainees, are you teaching them how to do each and every task or are you kind of equipping them with the skills they need to evaluate what the damage might be, what the safest way to make repairs is, or is it really just all the above, just a, a lot of teaching? There's so much teaching that needs to be covered. So much teaching. The main, the main thing that, you know, the, I could only provide them the skills that they'll need. Um, mostly I cannot give them a scenario for every single job. It's not possible because, you know, as linemen, your job is so diverse and you're going to run into different situations every single time. Even if it's the same job, if, if you if you have the same job, it's going to be different. So the only thing I can do as a trainer is teach the apprentices the essential skills. And, you know, it's skills like communication. That's a big skill. It's a big part of what we do in line work. Communication, you know, creates a safe work environment. It, um, you know, job efficiency, um, effectiveness as a crew, as a team, making everything flow to get the job done. You know, communication is huge. Along with that, there's other skills, rubbering. Right. There's skills like just learning how to inspect your rubber, learning how to put your rubber gloves on rubber sleeves, when to wear it. There's, uh, you know, two big things in line work. When we talk about skills, you have uh, insulating, isolating, second point of contact. That is a skill in itself. And that skill takes years to build recognizing where your second points of contact are, uh, knowing what to rubber and, you know, building that foundation over the years is what's going to make you a good lineman. Um, then there's, you know, just skills on how to use tools. <laughs> that's a, that's a skill in itself. And, uh, you know, another big one um, is learning like your minimum approach distance that's a, that's a big part of line work as well. So all in all, I can only provide the skills. And, you know, the way I do that is for me, I'll have my apprentices in the classroom. I like to run them through, you know, what we're going to go through in that specific day. If it's cover up, we're going to go through cover up. We're going to go through, you know, insulation, isolation, second points of contact. Um, we're going to go outside, we're going to do a practical, and then we're going to do a job type of thing. So that's, uh, that's pretty much the scope of what I take my apprentices through. Sure. And I mean, always it's, this work is inherently dangerous. I mean, you're, you're working with things that could injure or even potentially kill you, your coworkers, those sort of things. Um, you mentioned it a little bit as you were going through your training overview there, but what kind of equipment do land workers often have out in the field just to help keep them safe? 
Mm-hmm. So again, rubber goods, rubber gloves. So we have PPE. Um, so that's I'll like personal protective gear, right? Personal protective gear, and that's insulation. So insulation uh, is per- personal protective gear, like our rubber gloves. It's also what we call rubber goods. So we have line hoses, um, blankets. We have different types of covers that keep us safe. So all of these things we could apply to the energized lines. It'll in, it'll uh, insulate us uh, from second points of contact. Uh, we also have buckets, aerial lifts, dielectric, dielectric types of equipment. And this is what isolates us from the line. So we have two different types, insulation, isolation. That's one, one thing you'll hear constantly throughout your career, insulation, isolation. And we have guidelines set in place, like our minimum approach distance. Following that guideline, those three components together, and, uh, al- along with understanding your second points of contact, is what keeps us safe in the field. So if... Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, no, you're good. So like <clears throat> a golden rule for linemen is if you can eliminate, if there, if no second point of contact exists, there's no way an electrical accident can happen. If no second point of contact exists, if you eliminate all second points of contact, there's no way an electrical incident is supposed to be able to happen. And that's the foundation of our work. And it's with the focus on safety, it's not as though you all get the safety training as you're, you're starting off and then you're just expected to go from there. I mean, I've been in the field a little bit and it seems like every morning as folks are getting ready and teams are getting ready to go in the field, they start with the safety brief. Is that really just something you hear and work on every day? Safety briefs are huge. I'll hear tailboards, tailboards every single morning. It's crucial tailboards. You know, we're good at holding tailboards. If, you know, tailboard with tailboards, there's no allotted time to tailboards. If someone needs clarification on the job, there should be no problem with that. If, you know, we, if someone new joins the job, you want to have a tailboard briefing, it's, it comes down to safety. And here we take it seriously. And, you know, it's just essential. Absolutely. So many of uh, my colleagues and I actually were tuning in when you were competing on Tough as Nails. Oh, awesome. So you, you faced a variety of challenges and that was pretty cool to watch. What are some of the key lessons and skills you might've learned through your line worker training that helped you as you're going through some of those different challenges? The number one thing that I learned is how to stay calm. And constantly throughout my line career, I was tested. You know, I was pushed and pushed and pushed. And, you know, in the beginning, when I first started, there's nothing like being in high voltage lines. And it really, uh, it really conditions you to be able to handle pressure really well. So when I was doing these challenges on Tough as Nails, if you notice, in most of the challenges, I'm able to stay calm. I'm really composed. And that's because as a lineman, I've been in some pretty tough situations where you have to stay calm. You know, it's it, it's one thing to have a game plan, but once that whistle blows, 
is your mind going to be able to stay straight? Are you going to be able to maintain your thoughts and maintain your plan? As a lineman, the one thing I learned is once you fluster, your plan goes out the window. Taking that to tough as nails, if I had a plan, I was able to stick with that plan. I didn't forget what what I was what I was going to do. I didn't forget my process because I'm used to the pressure. I'm conditioned for pressure. Everything I do in line work has been pressure. So doing the challenges on tough as nails, it it wasn't it wasn't anything new. It was in a shell shocker at all. Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun to watch you compete all the way to the end there. <laughs> I appreciate it. So you had a pretty great role model in your dad about learning about this industry and what kind of opportunities that were out there. So what might you say to someone who's interested in learning more about how to get into or to start the process really and is interested in learning more, but maybe doesn't know where to start? Learning more is actually a good one. You absolutely have to do your research. Absolutely. If you want to be a lineman, you have to do your research on what this job entails. You know, I post a lot of cool videos. I post a lot of cool pictures on Instagram of line work. You see so much cool advertisements about linemen, the things we do, riding on the sides of helicopters, being picked up from helicopters. We're we're in all these, you know, high places, climbing structures, going to places people never get to go. At the same time, the income as well, the income as well. And all these things combined really draw people to our line of work. Wow, look at that. They get to fly in helicopters and the pay is good. Do your research because for one, it's a dangerous, dangerous, very dangerous job. It's, I think, number seven in the nation as far as being the most dangerous job. People get hurt. Uh, You just have to do your research on what the job actually entails. And this isn't to scare anyone. I'm just trying to bring light to, you know, it's not all cupcakes and rainbows. Like it's real, you know, it's electricity, it's high voltage. You're working at extremely, you know, high altitudes. There's a lot of parameters that you cannot control, but also with the proper training, you'll be absolutely fine. And with that, you, you have to have a, you have to be dedicated. You have to be dedicated to learning. You have to have an open attitude, a learning attitude. That's the biggest thing. You know, attitude will make or break you in anything, but especially in line work. You know, you're, you got to have a learning attitude and you just have to do your research. That's the main piece of advice I can do. You know, I've seen a lot of people come and a lot of people go within the first few months and you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all. You know, give it a try. Do your research. Give it a try. You'll find out real fast if this is for you. You'll find out, you know, when you put those climbers on, you get on a pole, you'll find out real fast if this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. Well, we certainly wanted to really speak with you today as, as part of our recognition for Line Worker Appreciation Day because, I mean, you all are working every day of the year around the clock and as you kind of clearly outlined there it's hard work but it's it's highly technical you all are highly skilled and trained and 
I mean, it, your commitment to safety is just second to none. So uh, especially with this past pandemic year and how we all relied on electricity for, for work and for education and everything in between, just really just thank you for all that you do and especially for helping to get the next generation line workers ready to be out in the field to safely bring power to the communities you serve. Let me just say that I'm really grateful to be here and to be able to represent Line Workers Appreciation Day. It means a lot. So thank you for considering me. And again, I'm, I'm grateful. Well, thanks so much for, for joining us and for sharing your story and kind of a day in the life of being a line worker and a trainer. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.